Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. You may be seated for a few moments if you don't mind. Uh, I think when I turned 70, the Lord started turning the clock back. It appears that way at least. Because he has filled my calendar up. Oh, God. Somebody asked me the other day, where are you going to go on vacation? 1419 Jones Station Road, Arnold, Maryland. Vacation is getting to sleep in my bed. Last weekend... Thursday through Sunday, I was in Nova Scotia, and I went to uh, Sacramento, California, Thursday and Friday and Saturday, and went to D.C. this morning, and here I am. Hallelujah. I need to talk to you about a couple of things really quickly before I get into the Word tonight. Um, we are essentially one month, five weeks from uh, call to war. Uh, the Sunday before call to war officially begins is an Antioch United weekend. We have uh, uh, 28, 30 different nations committed, 40 states, 18 time zones, and uh, the momentum is just beginning to build. Uh, in fact, I, I go a lot of places and people tell me we're, we're going to participate. We checked the website and they hadn't committed yet. And that's fine. It's not the problem. The concern is, of course, that uh, the f- Monday, the 24th, when we start here, is actually the day before for the Eastern Hemisphere. So if they're... There's, there's a lot of places and a lot of churches that are going to stream our prayer sessions from Monday night the 24th through Saturday night the 29th. We're going to stream them into their building. Their people are going to gather throughout the world. And they're going to join with us in prayer. Well, their Monday uh, is our Sunday. So for us and us only, uh, we're going to have a pre-call to war prayer meeting. Now that is Antioch United Sunday. But it's going to be different that Sunday. We will start at 5. There will be one speaker. And uh, as the Lord leads, we will be... Uh, closing out Antioch United service by 6.30, quarter to 7. 
those who do not want to stay and pray will be dismissed to go home. Those who stay, and if you can't stay from 7 until 10 and pray with us, directed prayer uh, the whole time, that's okay to stay for as long as you can, as long as you're able to leave when you leave without disrupting the flow. What that actually means is for Antioch, (laughs) we are the only participants in the world that will actually do seven nights of prayer, not six. Um, Well, I say, I don't know, there may be some that will in the eastern hemisphere that will actually do go monday through sunday they they may do that i i I need to retract that but we're only we're only asking people to pray monday through saturday night we're actually we're saying to people do what you can whether it's all six nights or not whether it's full seven to ten or not The other problem we have, and it's not a problem, is that there are two time zones in the Atlantic and two in the Pacific that have virtually no one living in them. So this is not call to war like any other call to war. It is not a seminar. There will be no teaching sessions. There will be directed prayer sessions. I am the primary leader and oversight of the prayer in the evenings. But we're going, to, we're going to need to do our best to cover those two time zones in the Atlantic. And there are people that are coming in from Call to War that's already willing to lead the effort to cover the time zones in the Pacific. Now, we're not going to be the only ones doing that. There are other places in the world that are going to have people praying in, the, in their time zones. So that in their time zone, they're going to pray the adjusted time that would be 7 to 10 in that other time zone where there doesn't anybody live. Uh, I fully expect to have uh, the last two populated time zones committed here in the very near future. Uh, we're already in communication with people that are, have already said they're going to do that. So this is, this is different. Now... this is a significant move forward if you you may not be discerning it and that's okay some folks say well this and that's just life maybe your life But as a child of God, there are no coincidences in my life. There's no just life. Whatever happens in my life is specifically permitted by the Father. So you can be fatalistic if you want. I choose to have faith. To say it's just life is fatalistic. To say the Father's in charge and is... Determining what comes my way is faith. 
and I choose to have faith and do have faith. I believe that God is in control, but there's stuff happening. Some of us getting our brains beat in, figuratively, hopefully. And so uh, it's very important for you to understand it's important for you to not wait till the night of the 24th to pray. Now, I didn't ask for this. There's not one thing that God is doing in and through my life that I have ever asked Him to do, and that's the truth before God. All I've ever done in my life is seek Him. Uh, I have not. I do not see. I have not sought for permission for for position. I could care less about titles. That's absolutely the truth. I, I, I could care less about them. But I have had to yield to God in certain areas, and this particular thing has been a real challenge to accept that God has laid on my shoulders the responsibility of calling for a worldwide prayer chain. Like, who am I to do that? But he's doing it, and it's working. This is going to be of major significance. I've already said to you before, we've never had this before the presidential election, ever. When it was manifest and then became call to war, it was always in November, it was always after the election. It's not by my choice that it was moved October. There were situations, circumstances came up that absolutely forced the meeting to be moved to the week before the election. Now, this isn't about politics. I've already made the statement. I don't really care who you vote for. I said in D.C. this morning, it doesn't matter who you elect. This country is going down the toilet period we're down we're down the toilet and if your hope is in the government or some presidential candidate to pull us out of all this i got too much prophecy saying it ain't happening so if you're not going to get involved with prayer and in fellowshipping with god then you're not going to have any hope of a future at all because he is our only hope for a future and at some time I may get into that if you have not been watching the briefings online at your convenience you're doing yourself a major disservice the Lord told me to communicate this way so that so that both the burden, the passion, the faith, and the spirit of this effort could be communicated. And uh, when I say that that is happening, that is not giving me any credit. It's what God is doing. He's doing something. And uh, I can't keep it straight. Adam, was that number eight Saturday or nine? Eight. Eight. Okay. There's going to be a briefing 
available to watch every Saturday. Whether you watch it on Saturday night, you can watch it anytime. Every Saturday all the way through October 22nd, which is the Saturday before Call to War. Uh, I'm in the midst of teaching on kingdom praying. This one was session four. Session four on uh, kingdom praying. And there's a couple of more on those before the final couple of subjects uh, in preparation for call to war. Also, for those of you that are paying attention, you know that the Lord called for 21 days of preparation of prayer and fasting. Now, uh, it is my understanding that the senior elders agreed that each individual will determine how they fast. Is that correct? So, you determine each day how you fast. You can do a Daniel fast one day. You can go a day where you just eat one meal. You can go a day where you eat, uh, uh, or you, you eat no solid food and, and, uh, liquids. And liquids is something that has to be able to be poured <laughs> without first putting it in a blender. So that means no whoppers in a blender. That's poured. Something that is considered a liquid before meeting a blender. If you do that, I, I mean, it's your business how you do that. Or you may fast some days that are all the way through. You can mix and match as you and the Lord determine whatever. And nobody's asking for your accountability. You sign up for nothing. It's between you and the Lord. But if you don't watch Call of War briefing number three, you won't know what those 21 days are for. They're a time of preparation, of repenting for ourselves and for the church body. Not Antioch, you would. Antioch's part of the church, I hope. That's my faith. So yeah, for the body of Christ. That is not fulfilling certain things of scripture and if you watch that you'll be shocked that it's not the normal stuff you would think we need to repent for so uh that is a time of preparation trust me you really really do not want to participate in this week of warfare without some preparation The scripture says the devil knows his time is short. Okay. Uh, so the decision is, is that there will be a prayer deal. You want to explain how that works? In order to have all three groups participate, obviously, because we're broken up um, on Sunday nights uh, and uh, the other services, and it's hard to do something uh, we're all, we all can participate and join together. We're going to do a 24 hour, 21 day prayer chain beginning on that 21 days, um, starting October the 4th with 24 hours a day broken up into one hour sections and it'll be 21 consecutive days. The way we're going to do it is we're going to put a website available to you 
or trying to work on the exact way to do that to make it um, um, user-friendly. But you'll be able to go on the website. You'll be able to see the prayer sheets, and you'll be able to sign up for a prayer slot there. The only stipulation is going to be we're going to ask you to pray uh, in a, in one of the locations, either in Baltimore or in uh, here in Arnold. I know the Baltimore situation is a little different, so we'll work out some details for you guys up there because obviously your building cannot stay open all day. So we'll work out some stipulations that when it can be open and when it cannot be. So the times that it's closed in Baltimore, the, the prayer room here will be open for the night shifts. Why are we asking you to go to a building Ultimately, it's for accountability because this is about prayer. Let's be honest. We all have great intentions, but if you're praying at home, it's too easy to get distracted. And so if you have to drive somewhere, even if you have to drive 20 minutes to get there, the accountability of going there for that hour, more than likely you're going to go there. And if you're in the middle of the night, you're tired, that 20 minutes should wake you up enough that you'll pray for your hour. I said this last week. You know what they do when you're on watch in war and you fall asleep? You get shot. Now, we're not going to go that far. However, if you do sign up, understand that you're signing up and what you're doing is a very sober thing because you're signing up and you're giving your commitment to God and to this body that you're going to stand in the gap during that time. And so we're not just asking to stand up with good, sign up with good intentions and oh, I, you know, uh, I can't make it. If you're signing up, that's a commitment. So by next Sunday, we will have the details to distribute to each group on exactly how to sign up. Obviously, not everybody's tech savvy and not everybody has the ability or understands the ability to go on a computer. So we'll try to help you out so you can participate. But this is the easiest way we can so everybody can participate equally and we all can come together because obviously at this point not one group has the manpower to be able to have a 24-hour 21-day prayer chain but together a three-four cold a three-fold cord is not easily broken so we'll come together to do this so you'll hear more information about that next week on the specifics of how that will work and obviously we're approaching this quickly so Hopefully, in Jesus' name, we'll have all that up and working by next weekend, and we'll go forward. I'm, just to make sure you understand what's not being said, nobody's asking you to sign up to pray a certain hour, 21 straight days. Each day will be its own day, and sign up or not. And if there's somebody else signed up for an hour, and it's the only hour you can commit to, we'll take all we can get for any of that. Okay. Praise God. So, um, th- there's three words. This is not the message, but there's three words that the Lord keeps bringing to me in the scripture that regards that's in reference to timings. Paul said, I don't need to tell you the time. You, you're, I forget it. I think it was Thessalonians, the Thessalonican church. Uh, I don't need to tell you the time. You're, you're aware of the time. But, uh, between Jesus and Paul, the other guys, there were three words they used, uh, in combination. And not every reference used all three of the words, uh, but they would use two of the three and that varied what they were. Sober, watch, pray. 
sober means you don't let the influences of the day deaden your spirits and your your spirit and your sensitivity. Don't get drunk on this world. Be sober. Don't let the world get you spiritually drunk so you are not able to sense and respond to what's going on. And then, of course, watch is being on watch. It's being on guard. It's, uh, it, it's, it's being aware of what's coming and doing the third thing about that, and that's prayer. And obviously, it should not be necessary to say this is not devotional prayer. It's not devotional prayer. It's ministry prayer. Or as I'm teaching in the uh, call to war briefings, kingdom praying. This one, uh, number eight, briefing number eight was part four of the teaching on kingdom praying. And so, uh, there's going to be at least two more parts of that, maybe three before I go into the uh, other subjects for the last couple of briefings. Uh, it's, uh, it's some, some stuff I've really never taught like this before. It would be to your benefit and your blessing to get that. Now, it is not yet quarter to seven. I will be as brief as I can, but let me tell you a story. When the Lord, this is now the message. When the Lord interrupted my prayer on the morning of March the 29th and gave me the direction, and uh, I thought that he was giving me this direction for this year's call to war. And then he says to me, uh, I want you to call for a round-the-world week of warfare, 24-hour-day prayer chain by time zone. My honest and sincere response to him was, who, me? You're, you're wanting me to do that. On what basis, what through what means am I going to call the world to a prayer chain? And I have said that to him on a few occasions since then. Friday morning in uh, a suburb of Sacramento, California, I was up very early praying and talking to the Lord. And I said to him again, why me? I wasn't looking for him to stroke my ego. I didn't understand. I mean, look at all the people in the world you could choose. Why, why are you asking me to do this? At that moment, I got no response. And, uh, also during that prayer time, there was a uh, scripture that came through my mind. And uh, I was praying 
covering over people that I'm accountable for. I pray for you every day, literally every day. And I pray certain things as the Lord gives me as a covering over you for blessing, for protection, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and other things that I speak and impart in the spirit as the Lord tells me to be a conduit for him to say these things. And, uh, and while I'm praying like that, uh, every morning, there are just things coming to my mind. I'll get my iPad out and I'll look it up in scripture and see. And, and it's just kind of a flow like that. It, prayer and then he points me to, to something and, and I, I came across this. I was praying, Lord, in Jesus name, I, I loose hunger and thirst into your people to seek for your righteousness. And I, and I, I, I lose hunger and thirst and, or, or desire in your people to, Put the kingdom of God first as their daily priority. And I, and I loosed hunger and thirst and desire in your people to have a personal relationship with you. Well, I, I understand praying for a personal relationship with Jesus and I understand praying to put the kingdom of God first. So I asked him, I said, I, Lord, what does it really mean to hunger and thirst after righteousness? What is, what is that all about? <laughs> and I was praying along again and felt overwhelmed. And I just said, why me? Surely you have somebody better qualified to do this. What happened next is one of the most awesome experiences of my entire life. He began to talk to me, and I can't possibly, in an hour or so, truly share with you the revelation, but I'm going to give you the high points. Because it's critical for you to at least get the seed of this in your spirit tonight. The reason that's the case is because what men of God often do not know is what they are personally struggling with in their daily life is frequently not about them. So often we feel things, take ownership of it, think it's us, and either give in to it and fall into it or fall into condemnation over feeling it and we personalize it and that which God wanted to use to help us understand what the people of God were going through at the moment so we could pray for them actually become we take ownership of and the devil wins both ways because we get our brains beat out with it, beat in with it, and then, and we don't pray for the people of God because we're just trying to be saved. So I'm sharing with you tonight something that I am positive that the majority of you 
are struggling with because it's so normal. As abnormal as it feels, it's very normal. I said to the Lord, I, I, I was just overwhelmed and I said, surely you can find somebody else to do this. And he blew me away and said, you're the best I have. Now, before you go off on this tangent, wait till you find out what he meant by that. You're the best I have. And he said to me, I know what you see when you look at you. But when are you going to let me show you what I see? Well, it was like an avalanche. I've spent so much time studying. I love the Word of God. I love to study the Word of God. And this has happened to me on occasion in my life, and I'm so very thankful for it. But all of these scriptures I've hidden in my heart all these years. In these in times like this, all of a sudden, it's like an avalanche of revelation where he just puts all these pieces together. And all of a sudden, the picture is one I've never seen before. And it changes my life. You may not be aware of it, but you don't know the person standing here. I'm just beginning the journey to learn who this person is. I have spent 70 years with much too close a fellowship with a person that I have seen myself to be and the adversary has reminded me that I am. I have not spent very much time fellowshipping with the person that God sees me to be. <laughs> oh, dear, precious people. I realized after this that I really primarily just had this problem mostly with me. Because for years, I look at you, individually and collectively, and I don't see what you were. I don't even see what you, what you are. I have varying degrees of clarity on who God intends for you to be, what he can make you to be. Oh, praise God. Now, if you will permit me, I'm going to need some help. So let's start with uh, Romans chapter 4. And I'm going to read some scripture here, Adam. And uh, 
I'm going to stop sometime and sometimes not, but just there's a picture here that has to be seen. Romans chapter 4, verse 1. There's the question. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? Next verse. For if Abraham were justified by works, by his spiritual performance, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. Verse. For what saith the scripture? You ready? It doesn't say Abraham did good works. It didn't say how much Abraham prayed. It it didn't say how faithful Abraham was to church. It didn't say whether or not he got to church on time. Are all those things important? Yes. But God did not view Abraham according to his performance. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God. And it was, uh, it was counted to him. The Greek word there is an awesome word. It is the product of calculation. God calculated some things. And when he put it in the ledger, he didn't put it in the ledger as works. He didn't write in his ledger by Abraham's account, faith. Abraham believed God and it was put in God's ledger under Abraham's account, righteousness. Oh, I love you, but you're not getting this. That's okay. It's okay. I'm just sowing seed tonight. I'm going to trust the Father to do what he's going to do with this because this is his word and his seed. <laughs> so next verse. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. In other words, if you, do, if you perform for God, then God owes you. Next verse. But to him that worketh not... But believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is accredited to him for righteousness. Six. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. Listen now. Saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven. And whose sin is covered. We sing an old song. Covered, covered, covered by his blood. Is that what it is? By his blood, walking by faith, filled with his love. I am covered, covered, covered by his blood. Jesus has rescued me. Well, that's not truly biblical. I'm covered by his righteousness, which was purchased by his blood. 
What are y'all laughing at up here? So the, the bottom line is this. This is a quote of Psalms 32 verse 1. So go to verse 6. Let me read that one more time. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man, unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, next verse, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Jesus said to me, When I see you, what do I see? Well, because I see my past. I assume he sees my past. But he said to me, I don't know what you're talking about. When I look at you, I see my righteousness that I have covered you with. Now you wonderful traditional Pentecostals that know that you have to work for God and live for God. Enjoy your filthy rags. Because all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. No wonder you feel exposed most of the time. Because your righteousness is as rags. But I, (laughs) for as many as have been baptized into Christ... Have what? What? Have put on Christ. That's why. Oh, Jesus have mercy. That's why Paul said we have to have righteousness to get to true holiness. Because all of our separation... That's not based first on righteousness is, oh God, is repulsive in the sight of God. Because it is false holiness. Do we need to be separated from the world? Yes. Do we need to be separated unto God? Yes. But righteousness must precede Holiness, for holiness to be true. Some of you look like you never heard that out of my mouth before. I can get you the tape. I've gotten in trouble enough in the UPC for preaching that. Because there are some very sincere brethren that their religious tradition teaches holiness is it. They don't even know what righteousness is. I can't speak for them. This is a group I'm ultimately accountable for with all this good help. Where we're all a team doing this together.
but hear me. <laughs> For as many as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So when my father looks at me, when he calls me to do something, when he speaks to me to do something, he's not telling a person to do something that's wearing rags. He's not telling a person to do this that's full of sin or at least condemnation over sin he's already forgiven but we won't forgive ourselves for. Brother Wharton, are you sitting with your wife? I want you up here. I don't trust the splash over that far. Because you hear me what the Holy Ghost told me sitting on this platform. Tonight is the night you change forever. It's time you forget the past that God's already covered and has forgotten. Because your problem isn't what God is trying to do. It's what you can't let him do because you're not good enough. <sighs> oh, let me tell you something. I'm the best he's got. And every person he looks at, and he sees his righteousness, that's the best he's got. Woo! That's the best he's got. He's not looking for better. said who me me yeah how many people in the book have said that you want me to do what you know why because they're seeing them they're not seeing what he's seeing Oh, Jesus. I wish I had about four or five hours. We could really enjoy ourselves on this one. But I'm going to have to trust the Holy Ghost and the seed. Verse 8. Again, remember, based on the fact that the righteous man is the one whose sin is covered with his righteousness. Blessed is the man whom the Lord will not impute sin. 9. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. Then, how was it then reckoned? 
when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision. Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. Eleven. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. In other words, circumcision was was only a sign of the covenant between Abraham and his natural seed. God had already given him righteousness before that. So that he could be the father of all who believe, whether circumcised or uncircumcised, whether Jew or Gentile, whether bond or free, whether male or female. Whether married or single, whether young or old, whether rich or poor. Next verse. And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, when he had being, which he had being yet uncircumcised. Thirteen. We're getting there. For the promise. That he should be heir of the world. I wonder if Abraham said, who, me? You want me to be what? Oh, this is what I like. For the promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, because I'm part of that seed, you see, through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Next verse. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of none effect. Next verse. Because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there's no transgression. 16. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end the promise might be sure or certain or guaranteed to all the seed. The natural seed and the spiritual seed of Abraham of which I'm one. Not to that only which is of the law but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all. 17. As it is written. I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, calleth those things which be not as though they were. 18. Now, he's talking about Abraham, who against hope, believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. 19. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, 21. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Now, I said to the Lord Friday morning, Which Abraham are we talking about? Are we talking about the Abraham of Genesis? Or this New Testament Abraham you're talking about here? 
And the Lord said to me, I told you. The one that was written about in Genesis is the one that man and including Abraham himself saw. But the one I'm talking about in Romans is the one I see. You don't get it yet, but you're getting there. It's the one I see. Otherwise, the Bible's a lie. What do you mean staggered not at the promise through unbelief? Where do you think Ishmael came from? He lied to Pharaoh about his wife being his sister. He lied to Abimelech about his wife being his sister. He almost got two men killed. God told Abimelech, you're a dead man. You got another man's wife. He said, what are you talking about? He said, that woman you just took, that's not his sister, it's his wife. You're a dead man. Oh, wait, wait, God. He said he was, he said she was his sister. Staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. You see, that's your problem. All you're looking at is the part he lets you see about you. But what he sees is his own righteousness that he has covered you with. And his righteousness is perfect. Brother Wright, that doesn't make sense. That's why it's called faith. And Abraham believed God. And it was accredited to his account as righteousness. See, we don't just do that with ourselves. We do that with each other. He's letting him do what? Doesn't he know what he's done? He's letting her do what? Doesn't he know about her failures? If we're going to use that criteria, they ain't none of us can do anything. That's why God considers tailbearing and gossip to be such a vile, wicked, vicious sin. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Gossip, tailbearing exposes what the love of God covers. And I, the sad thing is, the Bible says the judgment of God is upon the gossiper and the talebearer because of their nullify, nullifying or attempting to nullify 
the blood of Jesus as a covering in those lives. I wonder how many of you were born out of wedlock. More than a few. Yeah. I wonder how many of you have ever participated in a child being conceived out of wedlock. Hopefully before you came to God. Yeah, the problem is. That sweet, precious child, meaning you in some cases, is a reminder to all who want to be reminded of your faults and failures. (laughs) But you see, here's what we don't accept. That that child has a father and a mother. God is their father. The church is their mother. They're no longer fatherless. They're no longer illegitimate. Covered by his blood. Covered. Does that make it okay? Of course it doesn't make it okay naturally. But spiritually, we got to move on, you see. We got to move on. Isn't it amazing that Jesus chose to be born through a method that made him appear to be a child conceived out of wedlock? You don't think God knew? The Lord made no effort to prove to the world that Mary's baby was born without her knowing a man. The only thing he did was put that in the book. And those that believed the book, it was enough. Oh, she could say, well, an angel visited me. Yeah, that's what all of them say. Yeah, (laughs) sir. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you nudge the person next to you. Yeah, an angel. An angel. Yeah. That's what you might have called him before it happened, but afterwards, he's a devil. Oh, yeah, yeah. Angel. He's an angel, all right. As soon as it was obvious you were going to have a baby, he flew away. (laughs) To the next victim. Oh, yeah, you see. Well, God is so amazing. Because it doesn't matter whether you had parents or not. Oh, we all had parents. Because once he covers you with his robe of righteousness, if that's all he sees, am I supposed to see different than that? Now, you may not believe this, and that's okay. But I've always believed that true God-called men with pastoral responsibility 
are given special grace by God to not remember the details of a person's failure. So that I can stand and preach without remembering all the faults and flaws. Now, everybody wants to know the details till it's your details and you don't want them told. So the man in authority makes decisions that don't make sense to you because to explain to you what makes perfect sense, he would have to reveal something, stuff that God has forgiven and covered And so we go off on some tangent blasting the leadership for the decision they made when if we were in that position, we would be cranked out of our minds if leadership told our story. That's off the subject a hair. How about this one? Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. Oh, awesome. It's only 719. Hallelujah. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? Next verse. This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the faith, or by the hear, by, well, works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Next verse. Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? You had to come to God. You couldn't earn your salvation. You had to come strictly by faith. You had to come trusting his blood, his righteousness, his goodness. You had to give yourself totally over that. But now that you're saved, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, you're going to go back to trying to be saved by earning your way by your performance? And for those of you that are sitting here and you're arguing with this because you mean God has no expectations of us more than you could possibly meet. There's only two ways to meet his expectations. First of all, to finally stop having to deal with your condemnation over your past that he's dealt with once and for all. And second of all, the only way I can meet his expectations is to let his spirit, by the grace of God, empower me to do that because I'll never be able to do that myself. Does he expect those things? Yes! But hear me. If your flesh is the source of your strength for your spiritual performance, you get the credit. But if God is the source of your strength for your spiritual performance, he gets the glory. Next verse. Having suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain, five. He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Oh my God. In 48 years of ministry, I can't tell you the number of good, sincere people that have tried to obligate God to use them in the Spirit by all their works they do. I fast. <laughs> Sounds like Pharisees. 
I fast three times a week. I pay tithes of all I possess. Lord, you, if you're going to use anybody, you ought to use somebody qualified like me. You know how many people been on 40-day fast that absolutely nothing happened to them because of that 40 days except they lost weight that they put right back on when they started eating? Let me tell you something right now. I don't care if it's 40 days, 4 days, or 4 hours. I believe in fasting, but you don't earn anything by fasting. You don't fast to change God's mind. You fast so God can change yours. You don't fast so God will hear your voice. You fast so you can hear God's voice. Oh, hallelujah. Next, next verse. Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Seven. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Our longtime uh, insurance agent, health insurance and whatever, is a is a really wonderful guy. He has been a friend of this church and been very helpful. He is Jewish. And last time he and I got together, we were talking about some some in, insurance situations, and I don't even know how it came up. He said to me, why do I feel so much peace when I'm around you? Well, if I've ever heard an open door in my life, that one's, that one's got neon signs pointing, enter here. <laughs> so we got to talking about that. He said, well, how do, how do apostolics feel about Israel and Jews? I said, I am one. He said, are you really? Not like you think. I'm a child of Abraham by faith. He said, you believe that? With everything in me. Really? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the most awesome thing in the world. I think all the minorities ought to meet for the cross as Jews. Where we're all equal, you see. Children of Abraham. That little statement there opens up the whole promise of God to you. All kind of stuff. Next verse. And the scripture foreseeing that he would justify the heathen through faith. Justification is the process. The result is righteousness. You can't separate justification from righteousness. You can't get righteous any other way except through justification. Justification, justify is the verb, to be justified. Righteous is the product. Foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. Next verse. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Now, when I finish reading till I tell you to stop, just keep flipping verses. Ready? Next verse. 
For as many as are under the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. The just, those that are justified, just and right or righteous are synonyms. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Next. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. <laughs> that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That is the guarantee that there's going to be an end time, worldwide, apostolic revival of harvest and outpouring on this earth before the coming of the Lord. God swore this to Abraham with an oath. Oh, let's read. Next verse. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth it or addeth thereunto. In other words, a man's covenant that's confirmed with an oath is the end of argument. How much less argument should there be when God himself confirmed his promise to Abraham with an oath against his own deity? Next verse. Now to Abraham and his seed and his seed and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one. And to thy seed, which is Christ. 17. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul, that it should make the promise of none effect. 18. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. 19. Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come, to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. 20. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. 21. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, very verily righteousness should have been by the law. You see, here's our problem. Oh, Jesus. Now I gotta, I wanna come back here. I wanna come back here, but I gotta read this real quickly. Okay. That's not it. It is right there. Isaiah 43, 25. Hebrews 8 and 12. Hebrews 10, 16, and 17 all says this. Listen to this. It all says something exactly like this. I, even I am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. Hebrews 8, 12. We're going to read it. I want you to see it. Hebrews 8, 12. Hallelujah. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities. Will I remember? No more. 
Hebrews 10, 16. My, there, there are angels in this house that have been waiting for the people of God to get this. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds will I write them. Verse 17. And their sins and iniquities will I remember. How long? No more. I don't understand how he can do that. You ever heard of God? He's God. Well, how can he not remember them and I can? (laughs) Woo, you just hit on the million dollar question. Why would he leave the memory of them in us when he doesn't remember them? Not to be an open door for the adversary to bring condemnation. Not so we would look down on ourselves and not believe God could use us. No. So we will never forget that this righteousness is not earned or deserved. It is a gift of God. The same faith. <laughs> That lets me believe that I am covered by his righteousness and he remembers my sins no more. Let's me know that God loves me and can use me even though I remember my faults and failures. A little hard to be puffed up. When I remember my faults and failures. John 14.30 Jesus said I'll just wait and read it. Jesus said hereafter I will not talk much with you for the prince of this world cometh. Several translations do it this way. And there's nothing in me that belongs to him. Or another one says, there's nothing in me that will give him power over me. There's nothing in me that he can use against me. Wait a minute, brother, right? That's not true. I got these memories. Those memories are the basis for my love and praise and thanksgiving. Those memories. Brother Wright, now come on. You were raised in the church. Yeah, I know. When if you didn't know anything about God, you sinned in ignorance. Which sin is worse? Sins done in ignorance or sins done with knowledge? You see, that's why people in the church have a harder time forgiving themselves than a sinner coming to God has. Because we weren't ignorant of what we were doing. 
we gave ourselves over to our flesh to work our lusts. But we weren't ignorant. (laughs) Do you know what it means to me that he remembers my sins no more? And that when he looks at me, he does not see what I see. He sees his own righteousness. Why do you think the breastplate that's a part of the armor of God is called righteousness? Because it protects all of the vile organs that injuring any of them could take my life. But all of this is protected. (sighs) Covered. Covered. Covered by the righteousness bought by his blood. (sighs) Covered. Fire away, devil. You can't get through this righteousness. Oh, but he remembers. (laughs) You don't understand something, do you? If you were the perfect being he was, and you were one of the three main angels of heaven, and you blew it one time, and it was over for you forever, what do you think it does to him when he sees how many chances God has given us? I, I have told this, some have heard me say this, this is absolutely the truth. There have been times in the past, the only way I could get past what he was doing, he was reminding me in detail of everything. I, I, I was repenting again for stuff I'd been forgiven of, God didn't even know what I was talking about. And finally, out of desperation, something would rise up in me and I'd say, You're right, devil. I did all of that. But I just want you to remember. You blew it once. And your destination is the flames of fire forever. And look how many times God has forgiven me and is going to keep on forgiving me. So if you want to keep on reminding me of all I've done, all you're doing is realizing how much different than we are. Because like Jesus and all other humans, I have been made lower than the angels. But let me tell you a little secret. That lower thing, that's only for a while. That's only for a while. Because the day's coming. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Let's see how good you are, Brother Adam. I want to go back to Galatians. What verse was that now? Aha. Uh-huh. 
21. <laughs> so here we are, 22. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. 21. 23. Did you get, 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 did you get this? Did you get it? The reason there was a law is so our failures could be obvious to us. So we would not trust ourselves and our own goodness to save us. This is going to be hard for some of you to take. My failures are the reason I'm saved. Because without those failures... I would have never acknowledged the need for a Savior. And while I do not glory in my failures, I am thankful in everything give thanks. Next verse. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up, under the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Next verse. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Next verse. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. 26. For we, ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. 27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Next verse. There's neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you're all one in Christ Jesus. Uh, Here he comes. And if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Oh, Brother Wright, I can't do anything. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I loose the spirit of this revelation upon this body that when we gather to lead the world in prayer, do you understand that your participation in these prayer meetings are going to be streamed around the world and they're going to pray with you that that the army of God that stands to pray and participates in that prayer will be an army clothed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. An army with no chinks in its armor where the adversary can defeat us. An army that's not questioning whether or not we have a right to pray like this. An army that's not fearful of the, of Satan's backlash upon us because of our confidence in his righteousness, in the Lord Jesus Christ's righteousness. An army of spiritual warriors that will lead those who are willing to participate in the world in warfare. How, God, can you ask a people to make themselves that vulnerable? How can you ask a people to put so many targets on their back and chest? Because the targets are supposed to be affixed 
on the outside of a robe of righteousness. And there's no weapon that's formed against you shall prosper. And every mouth that's opened against you in judgment you shall condemn. Listen to this. Oh, well, we we, we got to go there. I, 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 what, what was that? What, what, what verse was that? Come on now. Come on. Somebody know it quickly, quick, quick, quick. No weapons formed against property. Is that 50, Isaiah 57 what? Huh? 50, that's it. Not, I said 57, but it's 54. Isaiah 54, 17. Listen to this. You got to get this. Listen to this. No weapon is formed against thee shall prosper. Every, every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Why? Why? How? What does it say? Why? Because their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Oh God, you got to get this. Come on. In Jesus' name, I receive it. Come on. Come on, say it. Pray it. In Jesus' name, I receive this revelation, Father. In Jesus' name, I receive it. In Jesus' name, I receive it. Oh, hear me when I tell you, there's so much more of this, but I've, I'm going to go just one more, one more set of scriptures just before I quit. It's, uh, 743. I, you'll be out of here. My part will be done by eight. What God does, that's not my part. All right. Oh, I love this. Ephesians chapter three. Anybody ever heard where it says, Isaiah 32, 17, don't go there. Just go to I, I, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 15, 14. Anybody ever read where Isaiah 32, 17, I think it's 32, 17 says, the work of righteousness is peace. So faith is accounted for righteousness. And righteousness works to produce peace in me. Why? Because Romans 16:20 says the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Why? Because the armor of God on my feet is the preparation of the good news of peace. And thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Because he trusteth in thee. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Next verse. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. <laughs> now we're not talking about just on the outside. Do you know that every sin a child of God commits is the result of past that I haven't let go of? 
Not that I want to be that again. I just can't forgive myself for it. And that opens the door for the lust of the flesh and its ally, the God of this world, to lead me into sin. Because if I'm truly forgiven and covered by His righteousness, the only sins I deal with in the morning, because His mercy is new every morning, it's just the last 24 hours. Because, oh Jesus, <laughs> I can't go there right now. I gotta, I gotta go here. Second Corinthians chapter, I'm sorry. I'll, eight o'clock, I'm doing my best. Now what he does, I just work here. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh. Yet now henceforth know we him no more. How can you make a statement like that, Paul? Next verse. Therefore, if many man be in Christ, <laughs> he is a... What's that next one say? Old things are passed away. Don't go here. I'm quoting him because I want to keep reading here for a moment. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God to purge your conscience from dead works or the works that produced death in you in the past. But the blood of Christ purges my conscience from dead works. Old things have passed away. Until Friday morning, about 7.30 a.m. Pacific time, I, could, I had never been able to say this verse was true in my life. I didn't know how it could be. But when I saw, when he showed me that all he saw when he looked at me was my righteousness, and that he has forgotten all my sins and iniquities and will remember them no more. It, I started to say, I'm new. I'm a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Next verse. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. He reconciled me so he could use me to reconcile others. Next verse. Oh, wait. Yeah, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world and himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Next verse. 
Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's place. Be reconciled to God. How can we do such a thing as that? Next verse. <laughs> Next verse. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Listen to this. That word be made, the righteousness of God, be made, it means to begin to be, that is to come into existence or into any state. To begin to be, to come into existence as implying origin, either from natural causes or through special agencies. It's result. It's change of state, place, or and so forth. I have been made the righteousness of God in him. You have been made. He has caused it to come to be. He has brought it into existence. Not because of what I did for him, but because of what he did for me. So quickly we go back to Ephesians 3, verse 15. That's not it. If we've already read it, we'll go down. Note 16. Verse 16. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the internet, inner man. Next verse. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, not in condemnation, not in shame, not in fear that somebody's no, going to know your past, because old things are passed away, all things have become new because of the righteousness of God. That ye being rooted and grounded in love, next verse, may be able to comprehend, and the Greek word there, is the same Greek word as receive in Acts 2.38, lumbano. Receive the Holy Ghost. So this is not comprehend, meaning understand with a mind. It means to apprehend or receive the breadth, the length, the depth, the height. Verse, next verse, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And here's what makes the devil really nervous. Because when you get this righteousness, which is based on faith and love. <laughs> How do I know that? Because in Ephesians 6, the breastplate is called righteousness. In 1 Thessalonians 5, it's called the breastplate of faith and love because righteousness is a product of faith and the love of God. To know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. What's going to happen then? Next verse. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think According to the power that worketh in us. In him be glory. It, uh, unto him be glory. Next verse. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Now, I got to stop because I, there's no way to cover all this tonight. It just grows. 
But dear, dear one, the Lord is doing this now. He told me, first time he ever explained this to me was in September 2013. He said, I use hiding things and revealing things to control timing. When I'm not ready for something to happen, I hide it. When I'm ready for things to happen, I uncover it. I reveal it. Now, I've taught on righteousness for years and have had an experience with it to some degree or other up to this point. But trust me when I tell you, this isn't even remotely close to where I was. This is a great leap forward. And he did that because he's ready for the body to receive this because it makes us essentially impossible to defeat in warfare. This whole thing, none of this was my idea. I was not seeking for direction for call to war on the morning of March the 29th. And when it came, I tried to minimize the scope of it. And God just kept expanding it. And guess what? I didn't choose to bring this to you. Meaning, all that goes along with that, the vulnerability and the victory. And you can't have victory without vulnerability. Hello? I didn't choose any of that. We certainly are not better than anybody. But God has chosen those that he's trying to give the revelation to them. You're the best I got. That statement doesn't mean better than somebody else. But he doesn't need to undo anything in your life that he hasn't already done or undone. To use you mightily and you to be able to do that without fear of defeat. Where you can come and pray boldly. Today is September the 18th. We are approximately two weeks and two days from the beginning of the 21 days of prayer and fasting. And that puts us approximately five weeks from the first night of call to war for us. I'll remind you one more time. That night is an Antioch United night, but it's all going to be different. There will not be two speakers, and it will not be an extra long service. It will be over with by... No later than 7 p.m. Because we will start a completely new stream for the first session of Call to War for the Eastern Hemisphere. That's Europe and Asia, Africa, Australia, Philippines. We will start a, a stream for their prayer. At 7 p.m. on that Sunday night. If you cannot stay, if you do not want to stay.
you're welcome to go home. We're not going to count noses. We're not asking you to sign in. But those that stay need to be wearing a robe of righteousness. Because we're going to learn and experience that greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. Now, some of you wonderful, precious people have been getting your brains beat out a while. Let me tell you what the crucible does when the heat's turned up. It separates. Heat in your life, circumstances, problems, challenges, separates. It separates the gold from the dross, the silver from the dross. Heat separates. When your problems are just more than you can handle, you will either surrender or something within you will rise up and say, enough is enough. I'm not surrendering to this and I'm not putting up with this. I'm tired of being the devil's punching bag. I'm tired of what he's doing to me, to my family, to my ministry, my finances, my health, or whatever it is. Heat always separates. The thing that's so rewarding to me at times and so sad to me at other times is what some people end up revealing themselves to be. Those that reveal themselves to be gold, silver, or precious jewels. Oh, that's so awesome. Those that reveal themselves to be dross because they just don't have what it takes in here to rise up and say, I have been called to be victorious. I'm going to be victorious. And nobody can decide which one of those you are but you. I got a question. Do you honestly think life would be get better if you would just give up? Do you think you're going to sleep peacefully at night? Do you think your financial problems are suddenly going to be destroyed uh, or solved? Do you think your Family is suddenly going to get their act together because you gave up. Do you think your health is instantly going to get better because you gave up? That's the lie, you see. That's the lie. Aren't you tired of fighting? Just give up. Father, I have more thanks than tongue and breath can express. I'm not worthy. But you have made me worthy in the beloved. You have made me acceptable to you in the beloved. You see you when you look at me. Because I am dead and my life is hid with Christ and God. I am crucified with Christ. 
It's not me that's living. It's you that's living. To live is Christ. I thank you for that, Father. I thank you for that. I thank you for your promises. I thank you for your protection. I thank you for the great, great honor that you have given by trusting this church and this ministry with this responsibility. Father, you know we didn't seek for this. You know we didn't go look for this. We're not trying to be better or more important than anybody else. You've made choice. You made the choice. But now we have to decide whether or not we're going to accept your choice and be faithful to your choice. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I water this seed of revelation. I command that the angels of God would surround this seed in each of these hearts, not only those in this building, but those that are watching and will watch this message. I command the angels of God to surround the seed in this heart, in the, each of these hearts, to keep the fowl of the air from coming and stealing that seed out of our hearts, that you might protect it, and that it might be rained on by your blessings and your love so that that seed would germinate and grow and produce a mighty, fruitful tree that you would be glorified through. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I praise you, Father. I honor you, Father. I glorify you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I commit every soul in this place into your hands. I pray your blessing of protection upon us as we go. I loose your spirit and your angels to stir us in the night and wake us in the morning with a, with a desire to pray that we would ha- pray in faith and in authority in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. You're welcome to pray. You're welcome to go. Is there anything else that needs to be said? Okay. Praise God. I love you very much. And it would be so enjoyable since I've been gone so much to stay and shake everybody's hands and tell you how much I love you. My feet are killing me. My back hurts. And I, I fell asleep five, six times on the way from D.C. back to the house today. And I'm ready to go to bed. So, I tell you what you do. You know, I'm here most Thursday nights. Just saying. It's far more likely to see me on Thursday night, you know. Just saying. Praise God. The Lord bless you.